You're listening to the City Church Downtown Podcast. Now here's Doug Robbins. So, magician and outspoken atheist Penn Jillette makes a point that we've been making over the past three weeks in this series called Get I Get a Witness is that when you care about someone and if you believe that they're going to spend an eternity apart from God, then you should want to care about them and tell them, you know what I'm saying? And so that's why those of you who are our spiritual investigators, if a Christian friend brought you here today or at some other time, uh, we want you to understand and be very clear up front that we are trying to convert people and some call it proselytizing others to come have relationship with Jesus Christ, you know, and your friend who invited you here actually cares about you, and that's why he or she brought you. Another added bonus is I always ask our uh, church people here that if you brought someone new to church, you had to pay for lunch today, right? Isn't that a good thing, right? Um, but you know, if we're all honest about it, we're all trying to convert someone to something, aren't we? Even if you're trying to convert someone to the idea that it's wrong to convert people, that's a form of conversion, isn't it? And, you know, those of you that are Christians, um, have you ever gotten to a place in your life where you felt like your Christian life was stale? where you just didn't feel the passion or the fire in your soul for God that you once felt. And here's what you do. You do the same things that I do. Maybe you get another book or go through another study or Christian class, as you should. It's good to read, study, and grow in the different classes, but it still doesn't return to you. And others of you may go out and download or purchase the latest worship music, which is a good thing to do because that can encourage you. But sometimes that doesn't bring the flame back. Could it be? that what you need to do is put yourself out there and initiate a spiritual conversation with an unbelieving friend or loved one because sometimes when we do that by faith, we start those conversations, the fire and the passion comes back because Jesus has a huge passion for people that don't know him, for people everywhere. He loves them and he transfers that by the power of his spirit to us, giving us the very words to say to help people understand the meaning of the cross. And over the past few weeks, we've been drilling down on and studying one verse from the Bible. And I want to take you to it. It's Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says there, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, what? Good. You'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Now, I want to do a brief review just for a minute because in previous weeks, we've seen that that word witness from Acts 1.8 is martyrs like martyrs. It was the people that in the New Testament were willing to lay down their lives for their faith. These were not just people listening to podcasts and doing studies together. They were out there laying down their very lives, willing to die to communicate the good news of Jesus Christ and his cross. And I believe the Lord is searching. His eyes are searching all over the earth, looking for just one woman or one man who's willing to lay down their life to communicate the gospel of Christ. And in previous weeks, we've seen that if you're going to be a witness, you have to be willing to give the reasons for it, right? You can't just say to your friends and loved ones, uh, you know, my mom, dad, pastor, priest told me what to believe, but you have to look into it for yourself. And remember a few weeks ago, we saw that faith is a solid step, not a flying leap. And we looked at one of the, uh, some of the many reasons why we believe it's logical to believe in Christ and his resurrection and the scriptures, that it's true. And when you step on the truth of God's word, you're not stepping into the darkness, but you're stepping on a solid rock. It's not some flying leap into the unknown. 
We've also seen that you have to speak the gospel with your life and your words. Some people think, well, you just live out an example. Other people say, you know, you just speak it. But we said it's not either or, but it's the genius of the end. You live it and you speak it to people so that they can understand Christ. And last week we talked about how if you want to explain to someone God's story of the gospel and the cross, it's so simple. You can draw it on a napkin. And we brought that drawing today. It just simply communicates the truth that Humans are on one side of a great chasm and God is on the other and our sin separates us from God, but Jesus died on the cross to create a bridge so that humankind and God can come together in love relationship. And one of the reasons that Christians over the years have been so adamant about communicating this truth is because this text, if you're new to church and you're new to reading the Bible, there's this one text in the Bible that's called the Great Commission and it is a big deal to those of us that follow Jesus and wanna lay down our lives. For him, And it's Matthew chapter 28, look at verse 19. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And what's that next word? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, uh, when you read that word baptism, as I read the word baptism, I think back to my earliest memories of experiencing, seeing a baptism in the church where my parents made me go when I was growing up. And in that particular church, there was a baptism pool at the back of the stage, and people would get baptized back there. And I remember one of the first ones I ever saw was this woman getting baptized by the pastor. And in that church, they dunked under the water just like we do in baptisms. And this woman was wearing a wig that day. And when the pastor baptized her and he brought her back up out of the water, it's like that wig jumped off her head like a cat, you know, just jumping off uh, of her wet dome there. And I kind of died laughing at that. But, you know, then there was this friend of mine who went to a church and they had a baptism pool and it was like glass and it went all the way down to the feet. So you could see the pastor and the person being baptized all the way down to their feet, right? And there was this one little kid that he got in the wrong dressing room and he was on the girl's side and he wanted to get over to the guy's side and he didn't want to go all the way around. So he just dove in and the people in the audience just see this kid underwater <laughs> swimming across, you know, to the other side of the baptism pool. Well, what comes to your mind when you think of baptism? Do you think of someone being sprinkled like they're getting sneezed on or uh, poured over or dunked under? But I got to tell you, um, baptism is a significant part of your spiritual story. And I remember over this past year just watching some of the baptisms. In fact, we brought a few of the pictures of just some of the baptisms that took place this past year at City Church downtown. And there were almost 200 people baptized at City Church uh, downtown just this last year uh, in 2015, and that is definitely something that excites me, you know? And uh, one of the things that helps me is that when I've had a hard week, you know, some weeks it's hard to be a pastor, and you have to deal with some hard things, and um, it can be depressing, but you know, when I see these baptisms and these pictures, it fills my soul and gives me encouragement to continue on and keep fighting the good fight and continue doing this because each baptism represents a soul that has been rescued by Christ, a new life that is happening. And what if we were able to see like 50, maybe 70 people baptized at our next baptism that's gonna take place on Easter downtown? Is anybody on board with that? Would anybody, yeah, yeah. Uh, would anybody join me in starting to pray for that, that God would uh, show us many baptisms on Easter?
Well, because of the way that you guys are being the church to all different kinds of people all over our city, all kinds of people are coming to faith in Christ here. In fact, I got a text message um, just this past week from a person in our church who had uh, taken the information from last Sunday service, shared it with a friend, prayed with that friend to begin a relationship with Christ, and she got to experience the thrill and the joy of seeing a friend come to faith in Christ. And you guys are inviting all different kinds of people. You hear me talk about this all the time, that our church is everybody from bikers to bankers, PhDs to GEDs, every different age, race, and walk of life. And because we're all coming from so many different backgrounds and cultures, it's common to have uh, all these different questions about how we understand baptism. In fact, oddly enough, over the years of being a pastor here, the number one question I've gotten has been regarding uh, suffering and then uh, baptism. What, how do we understand baptism here? So uh, I'm gonna make several statements about baptism today and show you what we believe about it here at City Church uh, downtown. First, baptism symbolizes your relationship status. Baptism symbolizes your relationship status. So on social media, you know, you have to pick a, a, a relationship status, don't you? Right? And so uh, how many on your status? Be honest here. How many? It says single on your status, right? Okay. See those hands? Uh, the five of you that raise your hands, you're like, I don't want to raise my hand on that, dude. Come on, man. Um, but if your, your status says single, that means come and get it, man. Uh, I, I'm open out there, okay? You may act shy here in church, but I know what you're doing on the, on the internet. I, yeah, I see your face. And then the, the status that's interesting to me is the, it's complicated. <laughs> now, we know about it's complicated, right? Because when it's complicated, I'm telling you, here's what's happening. All the people that want to date you, they're watching that it's complicated, and they're like buzzards over the kill, man. They're just waiting for that relationship to die so they can swoop in and comfort you because you need that at that time of your life. And then there's the, can I get any hands on, uh, I'm in a relationship status. Anybody in a relationship and wants to admit it? Okay, like five of you want to admit it? Okay, uh, I'm in a relationship, um, but he's not here. I'm with someone. Anyway. Uh, in a relationship, you're, you're supposed to be committed in, in this deal. But then the ultimate relationship status. This is when all the people that wanted to date you, they're just like, oh, I'm not going to follow this one and change my status here. Uh, when you say I'm married. Because married, any, can, any marrieds here? If you, if you, yeah, yeah. yeah, they're all like, we're loving it, man. <laughs> it ain't got no complication here, bro. Good to go. <laughs> but when you say I'm married, <coughs> excuse me, that's when you're saying, <clears throat> I'm all in. I wish I had a status right now. There's a furball in my throat, okay? <clears throat> That's when you're saying, I'm all in. And isn't it natural to want to tell the people around you when you're in a significant love relationship? Because if you're in the right relationship, you're proud of that relationship, and you want other people to know about that relationship. And so that's really like baptism. Baptism is a way we change our status, and we say, I am all in. I'm all in. And so when I say all, I want you to say in. Are you ready to do this thing? Here we go. Baptism says I'm all in. Thank you. You guys weren't messing around today. Okay, so when you, some of you know that when you get married, you have to die to the bachelorette or bachelor life, right? There's no more of that, okay? There's no more of that 
bachelor, and, and I'd go on and on about, uh, you know, that lifestyle, but you, you have to die to it because you have this new life of family living. And so I want to take you to uh, Romans chapter 6, look at verse 3. Paul says, or have you forgotten that when you became Christians or were baptized to become one with Christ Jesus, we die with him? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. So in light of this text, baptism symbolizes death and new life. It's like a spiritual death and new life. We actually died with Christ and then we were raised with him spiritually. The waters of baptism represent like a liquid grave in which we died with him, but the good news is we rose again from the dead. So uh, one teacher that helped me get clear on this was a guy named Watchman Nee that has long since passed away, and Watchman Nee explains baptism by a newspaper article that says, one person, three lives. And the newspaper article was about a woman who was pregnant with twins, and she was murdered on the streets thus killing three lives, both the babies and her own life. Now, that story is a tragedy, but the story of our baptism is a triumph because we didn't just die with Christ, but the other side of the equation is baptism represents that we rose again from the dead. And so when Christ died on the cross, you and I, those of us who have believed in him, spiritually died with him, but when he rose again from the dead, we also rose again to live a new life. And one of the cool things about our new lives in Christ is that we're cleansed from the guilt and shame and pain of the consequences of our own behaviors, right? Um, Several of us could say, hey, man, I'm feeling guilt and shame. Some of you feel guilt and shame from what you did last night and you came to church to feel better about it, right? But the thing about baptism is, is that it symbolizes our sins and guilt and all that washed away. I want to take you to uh, Acts chapter 22, look at verse 16. It says, and now why delay? Get up and be baptized and have your sins washed away, calling on the name of the Lord. Now, Christians actually took a Jewish practice called mikvah, uh, or ceremonial washing, and uh, transferred it to a Christian application. And the picture that you see on the screen is of a mikvah in Jerusalem. And in every mikvah, the water would be up over those stairs, and you would walk down one staircase. And Jewish people, before they would go to temple worship, they would walk down one set of stairs, they would get in the water, and then they would go under the water and come back up. They would walk out the other stairs, and that would represent that they were ceremonially clean to come before God and worship in the temple. And so Christians took this practice, called it baptism, and said it represents our death burial, and resurrection in Christ. Now, here's where some of the confusion comes in regarding baptism in the next statement. Baptism with water is, en- is not essential for eternal life. And this answers the question, do I have to be baptized with water in order to go to heaven and have a relationship with God? Uh, throughout the years, many people have looked to the thief on the cross next to Jesus who believed while they were both on crosses, and Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise, but yet the guy didn't have time to get down off his cross and go be baptized in order to go to paradise. But another text that I think is very helpful is 1 Peter, look at chapter 3, verse 20. Peter says, and this is a, what's that word? Picture of baptism, which now saves you. 
by the power of Jesus Christ's resurrection. Baptism is not a removal of dirt from your body. It is an appeal to God for a clean conscience. So in 1 Peter there, we see two different kinds of baptism. There is a physical baptism with water, right? That's where you get down in the water and the water rinses dirt from your body. But then there's also the spiritual baptism in which God, by His Spirit, helps you to appeal to God for a clean conscience and something changes in your heart. That spiritual baptism is the one that's required for eternal life. But the physical baptism is just a picture of that. So I would say that baptism is not a person, but a picture. So look at this next picture. Who is in this picture? Who is this? Noel, right? This is Noel. Actually, that's not Noel. See, actually, there's a picture that is on a computer in the back, and Mike is projecting it through some wires or something through a projector onto the screen, and that represents Noel. That's a picture of Noel. Noel is probably out here with the band somewhere knocking off, and I'm hoping that they won't get in trouble, and they'll, they'll be back for the next service, right? Uh, that is a picture. It represents Noel, and in the same way, your baptism is a picture of the spiritual reality that took place inside you when you appealed to God for a clean conscience and believed that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sin. So in light of these truths, uh, what is it, you might be asking, Doug, what are you asking me to do? Well, I'm asking you to do a couple of things. Number one, believe first and then get baptized. Now, this believing first and then getting baptized is actually an answer to the question, how old should a person be when that person is baptized? Because some of us grew up in environments where um, babies or infants were baptized or sprinkled or or whatever. And uh, so we believe here that when you're old enough to believe for yourself, not your parents' decision, your decision. When you're old enough to believe for yourself, you're old enough to be baptized. Whether that happens at 2 or 12 or 24 or 50, it doesn't matter. Uh, If you're old enough to believe for yourself, you're old enough to be baptized. And so the Bible nowhere commands us to baptize children. While circumcision was required for infant boys in the Old Testament, and circumcision is compared to baptism in the New Testament of the Bible. There is no similar requirement for the baptism of infants in the New Testament of the Bible. And in a day when infant mortality rates were so high, it's odd that there wouldn't be a specific scripture mandating that children be baptized in the New Testament. There's also not a single clear example of a child being baptized in the New Testament of the Bible. There are a couple of times where it talks about a person believing and being baptized, them and their whole household, but it doesn't say how old all the people are in their household there, so I don't think we can make the assumption that it was infant baptisms. And then the custom of infant baptism began 300 years after the Bible was completed, and it's a ceremony to indicate the commitment of the parents to raise the children in the ways of God. In fact, uh, we do child dedications, not baby baptisms here, and our next child dedication is going to be on February the 28th. Um, But here's the thing. Um, I don't want you to go back and tell your parents today, uh, you're really lame for baptizing me as an infant, okay? You know why they did that? Because they love you. Your parents care about you, and they're just doing the best they know how in the environment in which they were raised. But we believe here that you believe first, and then you're baptized, and we dedicate children. Now, there's a story 
um, in the New Testament that makes clear the order of belief than baptism. And it's the story of a guy named Simon the Sorcerer. And I would call Simon the Sorcerer kind of like the Harry Potter of the New Testament. Uh, he was a guy who was like a magician. He would do this magic, but then he saw the real miracles of the apostles and he was compelled to believe. And look what the Bible tells us in Acts 8, 13. It says, then Simon himself did what? Believed, believed and was what? Baptized. You believe first, and then you get baptized. And this idea that children have to be baptized to go to heaven leads to all sorts of paranoia. Some people have believed that their children have like bad juju and get sick if they've not yet been baptized. Um, It's interesting to me that children who get baptized um, as babies still get sick, don't they? Um, So people believe all kinds of weird stuff about that, and some mistakenly believe that babies born with original sin, just like we all have, are damned without baptism. Thus, children who die prematurely and have not been baptized as babies go to some type of baby purgatory and need to be prayed out of that place. But we don't see any of those concepts in the New Testament of the Bible. But when this comes up, it also brings up the question, what if my infant child passed away before they had an opportunity to believe, let alone be baptized? Well, uh, on that question, I go back to King David, who was a king in the Old Testament of the Bible, He had an infant child pass away, and he was grieving that death of his infant child. And in the midst of his grief, here's what he said. I can go to the child, I can go to him, but he can't come to me. Where did David believe he was going? Well, if you look through the Psalms, he believed that he would be in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever. David may not have had a full-blown understanding of heaven like we get later on in the Bible in the New Testament, but one thing David knew, he would be with the Lord after he died. And he believed that his infant child, who had not yet had the opportunity to believe, was with the Lord. See? Therefore, when I look people in the eyes, like friends John and Sandra Russo after the death of their infant son Joshua, I can confidently say Joshua is with the Lord. And God's character as a father who loves children, Jesus as a savior who said, let the little children come to me, I believe according to his character that infants who die spend eternity in heaven with the Lord. So in light of these things, I would say get baptized by immersion. Immersion means Dunking, and I want to tell you why. Um, this, by the way, this is going to answer the question of should you be sprinkled, poured, whatever. Okay, um, there was a guy in the the New Testament of the Bible. Uh, we know him as the Ethiopian eunuch, and this Ethiopian guy was cruising around in his convertible carriage, and he happened to be reading an Isaiah scroll, which is kind of like the gospel or the good news of the Old Testament. And as he was reading this scroll about a Messiah. Uh, Philip runs up next to him, like you do, and he explains to him uh, that the guy that's the Messiah that Isaiah is talking about is Jesus, who died on the cross for his sin. And so the Ethiopian man uh, began a relationship with Christ. He was so excited for his new relationship in Christ. Look what happens next in Acts chapter 8, verse 38. This Ethiopian man ordered the carriage to stop. They went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. 
The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing, and it reminded me of a baptism that took place here a couple of years ago. We were having baptisms in a little pool right outside here, a little uh, trough, and there was a guy that was so excited to be baptized, he went out in his pressed jeans and really nice cowboy boots, and he jumped in there. He was all in. That is baptism, where you say, I'm all the way immersed in this. I'm not just going to stick my little toe in there and try it a little bit. I'm all the way under. I'm all the way in with Christ. So when I say all, you say in, right? Here we go. I'm all in. That's baptism. And that's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. Furthermore, the word baptize or baptizo means to dip under water. And we believe that immersion best signifies our death, burial, and resurrection in Christ. So if it's not the physical baptism with water that helps someone into eternal life, I want to be very clear about what it is. And in order to do this, I need to take you to a couple of texts from Paul in 1 Corinthians in his letter to the Corinthians. Chapter 1, verse 14, Paul says, I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. For now, no one can say they were baptized in my name. For Christ didn't send me to baptize. Stop there for just a second. If baptism were essential to go to heaven... Would Paul say, God didn't send me to baptize? But what did he send him to do? To preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. The power for your salvation, for your relationship with God is not in anything else but the cross of Jesus Christ. And Paul felt this so deeply that in just the next chapter, he he speaks it again. Look at 1 Corinthians 2, 1 and 2. He says, when I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. So here's what I want to ask you to do. Forget all your religious works. It's about Jesus Christ who was crucified. Forget your religious training classes. It's about Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. Forget your first communion. It's about Jesus Christ who was crucified for you. Forget your baptism. It's about Jesus Christ who was crucified for you. Forget doing the good works for the poor and counting your rosary beads. It's about Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you. And that is what we cling to for eternal life, for our relationship with God. And so I thought it would be appropriate for us to pray about now. And so with our heads bowed and eyes closed, I know that some among us just had a light bulb turn on in your heart and in your head. And you've understood that it's not your good religious deeds that help you get into a relationship with God, but it is simply believing that Jesus died on the cross for your sin. And I want to invite you to welcome him into your life because for some reason he just gave you illumination. He just gave some of you the wherewithal to believe that and it's going to free your soul. So if you'd like to believe that right now in these moments, I want you to just pray a prayer in your own heart and mind because God can read your thoughts. Just pray right now to God, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. I welcome you into my life. I don't believe in anything else to get me to God. But you, Jesus, 
your death on the cross. If you just prayed that and you'd like me to know about it, just raise your hand real quick. Just show me your hand real quick. Bunch of us all over the room. Bunch of us. Bunch of us. Good. Good. Now, there's another prayer I want to pray because some of you get confused sometimes and you think that you have to pray that prayer, begin a relationship with Jesus every week at church, and you don't. Because some of you have that feeling God's like up in heaven. It's like he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. You think because you did something jacked up this past week or at some time that um, he doesn't love you anymore, but he's not like the love relationships that we experience in this life that sometimes bail on us, but he always stays with us. If we believed it is set and you're good to go and uh, your salvation, your eternity is not dependent upon your behaviors, and maybe you want to pray something like this. God, I'm not going to look at my behavior anymore. Because Jesus, your cross is way more powerful than my sin. I believed many years ago, and I'm secure in that belief. Now, if that was your prayer, I want you to just show me by raising your hand real quick. Yeah, a bunch of us. Good, good, excellent. All over the room. And this last one is for those of you to make a commitment. This last one, third prayer, is a commitment to change your relationship status. At some point, you believed in Jesus, and now you want to commit to him to be baptized. So just pray this in your own heart. Jesus, I'm so proud of my new love relationship with you. Jesus, some of you are praying, I had a relationship with you for a long time and I still hadn't been baptized. But I want everyone to know that I've chosen you. And I want you to know, Jesus, that I am all in. And when this service is over, Jesus, I'm gonna get up, I'm gonna make a beeline to the table in the lobby and I'm gonna sign up to be baptized on Easter. If that's your prayer, just raise your hand real quick, real quick. Anybody? Yeah, I see you over there to my left. It's down here. Yeah. Yeah, I see you over there to my right. Anybody else in the middle section? Yes, ma'am, I see you there in the middle. Good, good. Thank you, Lord, for the amazing things you're doing in the hearts and souls of men, women, young people and you're just over the top good to us and we're so honored to be a part of your work on earth. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, everyone said. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit citychurchdowntown.com.